Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. I am recording from my phone in a voice memo right now because uh, I just got done editing uh, this week's podcast and I realized Kevin still has all of our recording equipment. Why does he have all, all of our <laughs> all of our recording equipment? Because uh, Kevin took our equipment down to Stacks Espresso Bar down in Albany and he sat down and talked not only with Ron, who is the director of coffee and one of the owners at Stacks, but uh, he got to talk to a couple of friends that he made down there uh, during this festival that they had down there. There was this community market done right around the uh, the area, the block of Stacks, and um, it was wow, what a blast uh, to listen to. This was obviously my first time listening. I didn't get to go down with him, unfortunately. I had some stuff to take care of here at the here at the house, but. Um, he did such a phenomenal job. I think you guys are going to enjoy the heck out of this conversation. It's a long one, so break it up into multiple listens if you want to. Uh, he has multiple guests on, uh, different vendors from the market, one including Nine Pin Cider. Uh, there was also uh, a friend of theirs, I think her name is Sue, from uh, Stacks Espresso. She's their, their chef, I believe. Um, and I just, I just got to say... Uh, the chemistry down there uh, between Kevin and Ron and all of the friends that popped by. I even I even heard Ryan McNaughton's voice. What's up, Ryan? Um, was just so good. It, it was. It felt so fun, and I got a little FOMO, but that's good because it just means that um, it sounded like a fun time. Uh, there are all kinds of great insights in this podcast. It's fun, uh, but there are also a lot of really good informational tidbits. They talk about business insights. Um, you know how you how you might want to you know change your industry for the better. Um, they fielded some great questions from friends on uh, Instagram. And my God, it was just so much fun. A lot of laughs and a lot of great insights. So please enjoy this special episode of the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. And we will see you next time. Peace. could have dressed up as anybody for Halloween today. Anybody who would it have been? I hate you. I know you do. I hate Halloween. <laughs> it's the most old man trait about me other than that I love fly fishing. Yes. I hate Halloween. I love yes. Halloween. I who would you have dressed it. up as? As a who? That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's in my mood. I mean, today I'm a deviled egg, so I'm doing a little <laughs> food play since, you know, Sue's making food today. Which I enjoy. I do enjoy yeah. that, but yeah. a, a who... Mean. I honestly, I didn't put that together. I saw you as an egg earlier <laughs> and I saw that you had horns and I really did not put together that that was a deviled egg. That yeah. is very clever. Somebody That's how said, early it was earlier. Yeah, somebody was said, yeah. uh, oh, Much cute, earlier. you're an egg. I was, I was distracted. Like, I'm a deviled egg. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's, the horns yeah. are subtle. They are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Skull leggings. Yeah. I just Skull noticed those as, well. as you said well, it. Yeah, 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 that definitely <laughs> does it. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome back to the Upstate. I, oh, wait. I, who would I have dressed up yeah, as? I said you? Chris Evans, which okay, is Captain cool. America. 
I should have been Captain America today. It would have been great. Captain America. I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shield and everything. And there's like kids running around. I could have just handed them the shield. I, that's very Captain America esque. The whole appearance. They would have like taken don't, out vendors and stuff by trying to throw the shield. No, don't get, what? They oh, would have taken right. out your whole stack our, of our coffee. Our windows would have oh. just been gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they may have been. Hey, there's another coffee roaster right there. Hey. Come, Come on, on in. in. Yeah, yeah, get over here. Come on. Um, <laughs> he's going <laughs> to jump through the window. Yeah, oh, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go that way. All right. Well, welcome back to a special episode of the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. I don't think I know that, dude. My name is... <laughs> no, you don't. I, I do, though. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh <laughs> we are yeah. recording in uh, Ron. Where are we recording? Where there's all these people and stuff. We're at and the <laughs> space formerly known as the Colab. Yeah, which is now the Stacks Espresso uh, Roastery. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we are uh, about halfway through the Stacks What's Seasonal that? Showcase um, for the the autumn season. Uh, and there's a there's a maker's market from maker make it upstate out in the hallway and there's yeah. a bunch of business happening in the shop and there's some people kind of hanging out around us and we're just you're four feet it over from here. your roaster I'm four feet from my roaster <laughs> it doesn't work right now but <laughs> i mean it, it does technically work there is flames underneath the drum when i turn it on oh yeah but not enough of them <laughs> oh damn yep so you could like toast coffee i could right lightly you're, toast it you're next yeah, to your coffee toster yeah it's like <laughs> white coffee when you white when, coffee when you baby don't, yeah Seattle, we're coming for you. Light coffee? Not light, white. There's a thing called white coffee, which is like this. It's typically, I would say that coffee has a drop temperature when you bring it out of the roaster of a about 400 degrees. I mean, there's give or take. Yeah, there's quite a bit of variation. I would say plenty of crappy coffees above a lot above 400 degrees <laughs> some light roast coffees that are going to be in the 390s maybe it depends yeah, a lot yeah, on yeah. the roaster and a million things but like white coffee is dropped at like 360 degrees which is interesting because the density of coffee it, coffee gets less dense the more you roast it and unroasted coffee is very dense yeah um so i believe for white coffee you actually have to have special grinders because it's like it's oh like God. getting a rock in your fucking grinder to like wreck your burrs Damn. Um, i don't know if that's true someone told me that i, wow. I don't quote me yeah no no confirmation on the validity I could be of that statement yeah. but like you know damn you well, get a green bean in your bur- in your grinder and it'll really I have mess yet up to have it because i heard about it and i was like well that sounds like a fad and yeah, i, I just kind of wrote it off extract it, and oh yeah well yeah. that that has a deal. little bit that's something a different to, deal yeah, yeah, yeah um all right where did he go does he want to come ryan back? ryan can come back over whenever he ryan, wants he's probably pull up hey, a chair and we'll just get over share a do you want to hang with us or do you you're you're checking out the market right Okay, cool. I saw you well, over at at least say hello. Okay. Say uh, hello. No, no, no. Here. Hop, yeah, yeah, hop on. Uh, everybody, Dr. John Kitten's in the house. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> yeah. Should I say Dr. John Kitten's? Or do you want to go by Ryan? Uh, I, Ryan McNaughton, yeah. guest appearance. Yeah, yeah, Dr. I mean, John Kitten's is better, right? I'll go by whatever you want to call me. Dr. John Kitten's Plus. in the house. <laughs> I have newly married, newly married. Dr. John Kittens. Congrats. Yeah. Thank congrats. You. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Let's <laughs> nice to finally meet you. Let's go around real quick. Uh, we do this on the podcast all the time. You're, you're new. I so am first new. time for you. Yeah. Uh, second time for both of you. Yes. And I do this all the time. I'm Kevin. I host, uh, who are you? How are you? What do you do? Round table? Go. Oh, round two. All right. Yeah. So the first time around on this, I was very stuttery and I was like, uh, 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 yeah. Uh huh. So now you're only going to be semi stuttery. Semi. Okay. So I'm stalling right now, as you can see. Got it. 
I'm Ryan. I roast coffee. Yes. And I have a very full stomach full of fried fish right now. So I'm doing oh, great. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And now I'm ready to drench it with coffee. All right. If you wouldn't mind passing that mic. Uh, who are you? How are what, Thank you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Ron Greco. Uh, who am I? How am I? Uh, You're my I'm boss good. today. Is <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'm your boss all the time. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Um, Today was a very successful event. It was a really tiring and stressful week leading up to it. So I'm ready to take a nap after we're done with this. Um, And what do I do? I'm the director of coffee at Stacks Espresso Bar. Head roaster, part owner. um, Wear of a lot of hats. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Awesome. And then, uh, Miss, if you may, who are you? How are you? What do you do? We just met today. Yes, we just met. It was very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Pleasure. Uh, Kara Sherwood. I am the events manager over at Nine Pin Cider. Uh, Also wear many hats. Also very tired. Coming off of our cider maze at Smascot Orchards last night. Oh, my God. That was a a late one. What is it? How many people got lost? Oh, is I'm not sure my got question. Lost, but I'm probably you did probably a cider maze yeah, at, at night in the mud. What does that entail? That is like some Squid Game stuff, that right is there. There, uh, corn maze. Okay. Where you then, upon entering, you get a cider and you get to drink while ah, okay. going around the maze in the dark. Hence my question. Immediately yeah. putting those together, like some drank once, some <laughs> drank many, so they might still be lost out there. Yeah. Or taking a nap. <laughs> 42 went in, 28 came oh, out. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we had some kegs going. That. It was a good time. That's, yeah. That's awesome. And That's now really we're good. sampling today here at the showcase, and it's it's quite wonderful. Yeah. And Ryan, you showed up fashionably late. I had We had pour overs earlier. Uh, they were them. great. They were delicious. We were expi- yeah. You had some. My first time. I'm very proud of it. We had first yeah. on drip over there. Is this your first time so on a yeah. podcast, too? On a podcast, yes. On the radio, no. First, uh, oh, well, you have a radio voice. Do you do commercials? I don't. I feel like I've heard your voice in a commercial. I don't know. Oh. You do have a good voice for radio, though. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. In in a little bit, we're going to be doing coffee questions. Do you have any, even if they're sarcastic or ironic, coffee questions for us to answer in a little bit? Man, that's an Think it over. Okay. Think. Think it right, over. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is your lady out there? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm only gonna we'll let you. Come we'll back. let you go. Come back in a minute. Yeah. 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 Do your thing and then, question, and then come, then come back. back. All right. Yeah. Maybe she we'll has see a question. Roasting question. Anything you want. want. Anything you want. Right. The sky is yours. <laughs> oh, what? It, okay. I feel like Dr. All the John people, Kittens is your name. That's uh, what I'm calling it. <laughs> All the All people right. at home probably only heard one side of that exchange because we true. have microphones and he didn't. Oh, yeah. So we were telling our, our friend Ryan here to uh, figure out some coffee questions and come back. He is yes. a he is a market attendee yeah. with his uh, new wife. Yes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So with his new wife. And uh, so for the part you didn't hear. It was us responding to telling him to come back with coffee questions yeah, after also, he attends the market. I should add, uh, most people, when uh, they get married, they buy a house. He bought a roaster when he got married. <laughs> My kind of guy. Yeah. Right? My kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. I think that was part of the dowry. <laughs> I got a kegerator for mine. You got a kegerator? Yeah. For, wait, hold I feel on. like it, it depends okay. on your industry. You get what you like. You got a kegerator for your wedding. Yeah. Like you own it now uh-huh. outright. Does it say like happy couple like or did it, it was it engraved or anything? Okay, no. all right, all right. Kind of boring, just that old, you know. On did your you anniversary, both get it as a couple or was it just 
is it yours? Uh, it <laughs> Do you was, tell your partner like <laughs> it was his? But he has to ask permission. Getting cider. Uh, I think it's gonna be. Yeah, you, you've kind oh, of nice. taken ownership. Yeah, nice. I think for your anniversary, you should get it engraved, like at least with a date on it, right, or something, right? Do you think? Good, totally. Yeah. On the tap, Some stickers. That'd on be there. pretty though. That'd be cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got a new tap handle. I like it. So this event. Feelings, thoughts. How, how how do you like it? I, I, like I feel it. like we're we're doing this season. <laughs> Not to put right? you on yeah. the spot yeah. where we. Well, this <laughs> is the first one, and we yeah. got a lot of flow and traffic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people peering in the windows, not realizing the doors open, and we said, "Hey, come on in." Yeah. So, oh, and they came in. Yeah. I'm glad oh, we. Ha- I'm glad we had you guys as friendly people down there at the at the door end because oh, yeah. who doesn't yeah. like alcohol? That kind of is a welcoming. It gets people invite. in there. It mm-hmm. does. Well, Ron and I were kind of we we were over in our little coffee corner, constantly regurgitating information about uh, Herman Andres Gualpaz <laughs> and the Biter Brothers. Yep, <laughs> two people. If they came in and asked for coffee, which was great. Yeah, there were a lot of people. I think that we had this whole the whole point was to like showcase the the ways that processing affected the coffee because mm-hmm. they were grown in pretty similar regions. Um, and they were very different. They were very different, but we had a bunch of people that were just like came in and were like, could I get a coffee? Cause they like just wanted a coffee, <laughs> but didn't want to go to the coffee shop and pay well, for it. <laughs> so they just came in and were like, could I get one? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. I and don't want like, any information. They just like grabbed coffee. it and turned around and left. Well, we're like, boy. wait, sir, <laughs> there's, there's, this there. one's called guava banana. <laughs> There was actually one of one of the vendors uh, sons came in and I did the whole did the whole pour over thing and like was like, yeah, enjoy it. Here you go. Have fun. He came back in later and was like, I'm thinking about something else. I think I kind of like want a pastry or something. I was like, oh, buddy. Luckily, there's the glass so I could point yeah. over across the hall to Stacks Espresso Bar and go, they're right there, but <laughs> which is funny option. because for those of you at home, <laughs> nothing about our setup <laughs> looks like a coffee shop. Nope. It is Kevin and I standing in front of a single table yep. with two pour overs, yep. two kettles and a Malcolm bunch. Yeah, a, <laughs> an EK 43 grinder that doesn't work and a bunch of paper cups like there's no pastry case. There's nothing else going on in here. It's an empty room. A decorative grinder. So like, looking. Yeah, you're the guys for the coffee. Yes, we are. Well, that's all we wanted. Coffee to, professionals, to be, the coffee professionals today. Yeah. yeah, that's all we ever want to be. And then Sue Dunkel's on her way over here. I'm going to let her introduce herself. She was another big part of this event today. I would say Sue is probably the Sue, biggest part we're recording. of this event today. Get get over get over here. You know what? Here I'm going to here get over here. Grab this mic. Here I'm going to let Ron take hold of the conversation for a minute. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. Hi. Introduce yourself. Hi. I'm Sue. I'm Wait, Chef on. Sue. How do we ask it? Who are you? How are you? What do you where, do? What do you do? I was like, where are you? No, are you? that can't be right. <laughs> I'm Sue. I'm good. I'm tired, but this is awesome. I'm having a blast. What do you do? I I think it's debatable, but I believe I'm a <laughs> decent chef. You're the, <laughs> you're the director of fun and food. I, I would say yes. I'm a title ever. <laughs> director of food and fun. There you go. <laughs> so uh what we did here today we're doing we did the uh stacks seasonal showcase for the autumn season and so out in the hallway of the arcade building in downtown albany we have a make a maker's market by uh make it upstate we were doing pour overs of two different kinds of coffee we had live cooking demos by uh, chef sue over here uh we had nine pin cider tastings by kara here from nine pin um, we had brunch specials and food specials running in the coffee shop and you know, it's it, 
it was basically just to get out the announcement that like this space that we're currently in this collab, uh, formerly collab space that is now our roastery is a new space with a new purpose. And the larger reason was to kind of announce our partnership with Sue as director of food and fun. Um, yes. And so the, the event was, um, sort of just a way to get those press releases out and like kind of bring people back into the shop after COVID and, you know, mm -hmm. get people out and, you know, get people moving a little bit and put ourselves back on people's radar, I guess. Yes. Um, and I would say it has been overwhelmingly successful. We've had a, a record setting day for sales at the coffee shop, which has been awesome. Yep. Um, I think most of the vendors probably had a pretty good time. There's been a pretty good flow of customers through here. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin and I did a bunch of pour overs. Uh, Sue made some s'mores and candy apples and stuff, and it was awesome. <laughs> Kara handed out lots of cider. Yeah, presumably. lots of cider. Lots and of cider. actually, Sue was just featured in one of our videos, the put yeah. cider she sure was. in it. Put what? cider in and it. And one of the biggest questions is, wait, Stax does food? And we the do answer is, now, yes, baby. They we do. do now. Yes, I did this pork Normandy. I call it nine pin pork. <laughs> Instead of using Cavados, I used I used their um, ginger cider. It was amazing, tasty, Whoa. very tasty. Yeah. Why is a pork Normandy named pork Normandy? Because it was originated in Normandy. You didn't hesitate oh. for a second on that. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, she knows her her history. I can tell you why pork Cavados is called Cavados. That one tell I didn't know. I didn't okay. know Cavados. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, Cavados is a type of liquor that they use in it. So all right, it's like there a we go. Kind of schnapsy thing. So. Apple, apple, we yeah. know apples. Yeah. Tell me about yes. apples. Oh, apples, yes. We have lots of different varieties uh, for our ciders. The newest one coming up soon will be Cider Monster, and there's usually over 150 varieties. So we kind of throw every apple that we can find in this one special pressing every year. So. That's awesome. It's the Cider Monster. It's good stuff. Do you ever do like single varietal ciders? We do them many, yes. Our latest one was the Ashmead's Kernel. So it's very dry, a little bit of a sour note. Cool. So yeah, it was a, it was good stuff. We do those as secret stashes. That's pretty awesome. I want I don't drink, so I miss out on that part of it all. We did um, a great uh, the non-alcoholic sparkling cider. We were on the first day. iteration mm -hmm. of this podcast that got deleted. Uh, Kevin and I were both uh, singing the praises of it that we were just really excited about it. It's so much better than any other non-alcoholic sparkling cider either of us have By ever far. had local yeah. orchards like it's just just out of yeah. this world it's so so good yes. you know what? Mascot I makes a good that. apple yeah, yeah when i taste that i thought um for new year's it's always hard for kids and for people who don't drink so we always get the really bad like welch's i used to do juice. that's exactly what <laughs> yeah, we were talking about was, was that welch's superior. sucks so that's gonna be my champagne yeah this new yeah. Year's. perfect it's yeah. so good yeah, that's that is really good stuff. I actually the thing that I love, I'm I'm with you guys. Like, yeah. I loved that there was an NA option yes. from mm -hmm. Nine Pin and it that it's done with some mascots was just mm, yeah. Delicious. icing. So here's that. here's yeah. segue question for you. Okay. So for our cider, it tastes different depending on the time of year the apple is grown. Does that happen with coffee beans? Ooh. Hit me with the hard-hitting questions. You know, I don't know. Um, the honest answer is I don't really know. What? Yes, actually. So typically, there is only one harvest in most coffee-producing countries. Colombia has two harvests. Um, Colombia has uh, a second smaller harvest a little later in the year. It's got a name. I don't remember it right now, but it does have a name. Um, 
Possibly second harvest. It's got a catchier name <laughs> than fancier. that. It's um, in Spanish. It's also, too. I was going to say, I think it's in Spanish too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, in, in that respect, yes, there, I don't know the specific differences that the different harvest time causes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, typically with most places, there's, you know, one main harvest time. And, you know, at least with sort of the highest premium specialty quality, um, there will be several pickings um, because you want to pick each cherry at peak ripeness. Um, And so, you know, even on the same tree, you'll have beans that are still, or cherries that are still green, yellow, orange, red, you know, a little purple maybe, Mm -hmm. depends on the varietal, um, and then perhaps overripe. So experienced pickers, a lot of the cost in coffee production at the farm level goes into the the labor of picking mm-hmm. because it's it's very labor intensive you know these are folks just often migrant workers just picking coffee cherries and putting them in a basket but like coffee's grown on mountains mm-hmm. you know so yeah. you, you're really you're really trekking and um you know but then if you do a separate harvest every day to only get the beans at the peak ripeness and sometimes you'll have day lots uh so that you know things grown on monday tuesday wednesday thursday are all separated and can be you know auctioned oh. or sold based on the specific qualities of those individual days Whoa. um yeah it can all it can get pretty know. like like pretty nano wow. at, at the really nerdy specialty level um and then in brazil you know there's strip pickers where they use like a machine that just like right. closes around a branch and <laughs> you know, and you get the you get the worm infested cherries and the ripe cherries and the underripe and the overripe and you some branches everything. and some leaves. And yeah, now, it, obviously, this is that's an industry analogy that might go into the category of apples as well. Yeah, there's obviously yeah. different forms of picking, harvesting and then putting through production apples. Yeah, yeah? for sure. What's it like in nine pen? Uh, so, so we partnered with some mascot, mm-hmm. but um, a fun one that we're going to do up soon and announce. Um, actually, uh, November thirteenth, we're going to do it with the Shaker Heritage Society. Oh. Uh, so we have a single varietal from mm-hmm. that orchard, and it's called Shaker Shaker because traditionally you pick an apple, you know, you can hand pick it. There's yeah. machines, but the way they did it is they shook Shake. the tree. Yep. Stop I've it. Yep. So what? Shaker yeah. shaker was they shook the trees and that's how those were harvested. That's awesome. Isn't it because the more ripe apple will fall right off whereas yep. the less one will, will stay, right? That's how they know. Yep. Wow. Yep. So the ripe yeah. apples will fall off and you can, yeah, you can grab those. And that's some old world wisdom right there. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Wow. It's super fun. Sue is a real multidisciplinary knowledge kind of lady. Okay. Yeah. She really is. Let's talk <laughs> no, about these ladies yeah. real quick. Yeah, let's, let's get into that. Sue, you obviously, there was, there was a journey that has led you to this point in yes. your career, in your life. Could you explain a little bit of that and what kind of like brought you around to being on the stacks team yeah absolutely right. um just in cor- in, com- in capsule <laughs> the last hours? 40 years of your life <laughs> so can you summarize <laughs> your professional and vocational so lifetime is, yeah this is a, a different story than i than you might expect but i actually went to the cleveland institute of art part of case western reserve university for fine art that's where oh. i went to school that's where i got my bachelor's was in fine artist wow um, but i always worked in restaurants from mm. the time I was 15. As most yeah. artists do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you check totally. out her cupcakes. They're beautiful. Well, mm-hmm. that was what happened was I was always working in restaurants, but trying to make it as this artist. I lived in New York City, Boston, Portland, Maine. Oh. I was in bands. Um, I finally moved here to Albany 
and I decided maybe it was time to do the thing you've that, always done yeah. and excelled at. <laughs> actually excelled at and go back to school. So I went back to Schenectady County Community College and found that my artistic background really worked very well, benefited me in, in certain areas of the culinary arts. And I just started to perfect that, like really playing with buttercream as if it were clay and working with chocolate as if it were slurry. And my fiber arts background worked really well when I was braiding um, pastry dough, like those kinds of things. So that's how I came into it was from more of an artistic level. Mm. Um, and then working with consistencies, I get more into into like the consistencies of different types of foods, the way that colors look together, the way that profiles are built in layers hmm. kind of things so yeah wow you're yeah you're bringing the art to food yeah yeah, yeah. because i when i first started in the restaurants there it wasn't as much of a discipline do you know what i mean like you yeah. go to an italian restaurant and there'd be like a ton of spaghetti with i mean it, it existed <laughs> some, it existed in some a areas, meatball was a meatball not, yeah. yeah but then as as time has passed and and you you begin to look at food differently and you see other artists playing with colors and mm-hmm. textures and stuff that really attracted me and I, I just loved it. Now there's a whole foodie following and yeah, yeah. Take pictures of your food before you eat it. Yes, oh well that, God, works, for real. that works really well now with Instagram because everything has to be Instagram ready. Yeah. yeah. And Kara, what brought you to uh, Nine Pin? Uh, so I've been a fan of theirs for a very long time, ever oh. since they opened. Uh, but I've always been in the events industry. Kind of came from a catering background yes. as well, oh, wow. um, as well as nonprofits. And uh, yeah, it it came about. And kind of luckily, post COVID, everyone wants events. So well, that's yeah. great. That's my job. That's awesome. And you've been there for a hot minute, right? Yeah, hot minute since August. Wow, <laughs> that's about the same time I started here. Yeah, it was. Oh, we followed. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh Harvest Moon uh, Market at the Playhouse in Albany. And then I feel like we have other connections in common. Kara also the thing is is that we work together. She worked with me on the Enchanted City year uh, yeah, I think it was actually four, five, and six. Yeah. yeah, 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 and was really instrumental in helping me. For yeah. listeners of our podcast, because not all of them are from the Capital District, what's the Enchanted City? Oh, yes, the magical place. You go ahead. You probably, you're better. It's a steampunk festival that yeah. we had in Troy for eight years running. Yeah. started with a 1,000 people by the eighth year. I believe it was 8,000. Wow. Yeah, crazy. It was Rough estimate, probably yeah. more passed through, but Sue founded it, and uh, yeah, it's a magical place that people can either do the um, fairy side of things where it's a little more um, fantastical, fantastical, okay. magical, yeah. or you can go the steampunk aspect yeah. and believe that there is a future, but it's run on steam. Yeah. So it combines futuristic, but old school technology. So you have flying contraptions, but it's all steam powered and just a lot of very fun creations. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. like Venter's challenge that was off the hook. Yes. I can't wait to bring it down here and run it. Oh, that'd be Broadway. great. Are you going to do it down here? Yeah, in that's Albany? the plan. Oh. That's the plan to start talking about it. In this so time. you're going to bring the Enchanted City to an even more 
like more I would say more ancient. populated area, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Actually, the the architecture is really nice. The bid talked about doing a light show up on all the buildings, and I think that would be great. Wow. Yeah. And Albany has a lot of these like taller, more historic looking buildings that yeah, would that be perfect for that setting. Gorgeous, just down the road. Yeah. Wow. Oh. That's awesome. Oh. You're giving her ideas <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. that's cool. so. And then we've all come together today. And we're celebrating coffee, art, food, beverage, <laughs> life mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of people. And um, I kind of like in my mind, it seems like this was the beginning of an idea that's going to become something else. You know, like it, it's going to end up growing. Right. Yes. Yeah. The initial stage. This, yeah. You know, you have to announce something. And, and take your first step forward in order to move. It's almost like there's this neat parody that I think about, or um, parable, yeah. where if you need to walk two miles in the dark, you shine a flashlight and you take one step at a time and the mm. path unveils itself as you go. You know what I mean? Wow. And so today was the first step in, in making this big destination transition and just Stax has so much to offer. Nine Pen has so much to offer. Yeah. There's so many cool things happening here. Great ideas, like wonderful future and let it unfold and celebrate it with the community. Yeah, yeah and you can collaborate and just have that reach. And yeah. Yeah. Collaboration's amazing. That is a really good analogy, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> normally on this podcast at this point we'd be getting into like some bio of an artist or a roaster that we've brought on or like uh we'd be delving into like something that they were up to and we've kind of we've summarized what we've been up to let's get into some more fun stuff mm-hmm. right away um <laughs> right away uh, <laughs> right so now. yeah right now uh so we were given some questions um and I want to share them with you. No, I want I want okay. you to. I want, I'm, I'm going to share them with you and feel free to chime in. Stump the chump on them. Uh, it, actually, re- real quick, Sue, you did a cooking demo earlier. I didn't get to watch it right. because I was handling other things with coffee. Um, you had a lot of things to do. What were you doing for the cooking demo? What was going on there? So there were a, a number of things that I was going to share with people. Um, some of my most popular treats are uh, the floral cupcakes that I make, um, the gourmet candy and caramel apples. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do these kind of gourmet s'mores, things like that. Uh, when you see them in the case, oftentimes people will say, wow, that looks like it took forever or that, that looks so like, oh so my God. complicated. Like, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that um, part of being able to do something and do it well is finding the right tools. So mm-hmm. over time, I've been able to find the right tools to help me make it look like it's impossible to build. Yeah. And some of those things are just as simple as, as knowing what country to source your tips from. Like I use Russian tips, I use Korean tips, and I use American tips when you do buttercreams. And it takes huh. 50% of the work out if you know what tip to use. I'm sure that there's same thing in any business. Oh, Wait, so like the tip on a on a piping bag? Yes. Oh. Yeah, mm. most people like just buy like a star tip and they decorate with a star tip. Yeah. But there's there's honestly thousands of tips out there and the Russians have the best I think in the Koreans. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is, is there a way that you can like describe that for someone listening to this right now yeah. that's like digestible like they can picture it? Tell me about a Russian tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to put it 
in the lexicon of the average person, when you buy Play-Doh for your child and you put them through the presses, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. different mm-hmm. presses and it, it ha- you know, forms different kind of decorative things. Yeah. It's the same thing with buttercream tips. Um, the pattern on the tip as the buttercream flows through it can create different forms and you can actually just press it through and it will do a, per- a perfect rose or locust or sunflower. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. You just need to make sure that your buttercream is at the right consistency and that there isn't too much air in it. The tip will do the rest of the work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. And so uh, there's a there's a tip for every occasion, yes. really, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's yes, yes, yes. yeah, the thing is, is that they're not really expensive. No? No. It's like $15 to get a really nice set of Russian tips. It's about <laughs> the same for... <laughs> There are too many jokes in this conversation. <laughs> I know. And I can't handle it. Um, <laughs> Kara, what were you guys featuring from Nine Pin today over at your. Yes, yeah, so we brought over all of our ciders today. All of them? All of them. Whoa. That we have in Cannonball, oh, okay. I should say. Okay. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Wait. We do some specialty um, small batches, which are only available in our tasting room down on Broadway in Albany. Um, okay. So that you can take home in a growler, but otherwise, you're only going to get it from our tasting room. But okay. We have our most popular apple pie seco that we have sampling. We are sampling today. Yeah. Apple pie mm-hmm. in a can. Yes. Uh, for those that do like alcohol. Um, uh, so mm-hmm. we have that available. And then we have our blueberry. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll be bringing out our blueberry peach cobbler. Oh, yeah. So People love that. Perfect in time for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. And then you guys have an Earl Grey one, too, right? Don't yeah, you? But that's seasonal. Winter. That's a seasonal yeah. one as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I still help out at a wine store every now and then. Like, I'll go in and, like, check their inventory or something. Um, and they actually, one of the women who worked there would use figenza a fig vodka and oh. your earl grey cider and make like this beautiful cocktail Sounds for herself delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's good stuff to be done with that what oh, are yeah, we, we do cider cocktails we we have a winter menu and then we're coming out or we have our fall menu right now mm-hmm. coming out with our winter menu soon. Mm. what's what's the most popular cider at the tasting room location just Oh, Signature is kind of like the standby everybody's favorite. It was the one that okay. founded the company. It started it. It's yep. actually a blend of like 30 different varietals. So it Of apple? Change. Yep, of apple. Oh my God. Yep. So we, we kind of... All shaken from trees? No, I'm Not just kidding. Not all I'm shaken kidding. from trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of shaking. That if they is did a lot that. of shaking if you were to do that. Okay. Yeah, but we, it changes every season because That's the awesome. apple varieties that are available in season yeah. change. But we just kind of make this special blend that is just delicious. So hard fight or hard cider fans yeah. would find a lot of variation and they new should, things yeah. all the time at your tasting room pretty much That's awesome. yeah we're not we excel in off dry so we're not gonna be on that sweet spectrum okay. a lot of people who are like mm, i'm not a cider fan tend to like ours because we don't go it's that sweet, sweet spectrum yeah. yeah yeah sugary can be a turnoff yeah for people for sure all right. Well, let's get in some questions. Uh, we'll go with a couple of the less coffee specific ones. Oh, no. These are these can be for you, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, here, we'll do this real quick so everybody can get in on this. We always on this podcast, on the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, we have two things that we always touch on, and they're the most important questions of the podcast, in my opinion. We say, uh, what's in your mug, which is like a coffee that you've had recently, or even like tea or something else, like you could say a cider if you wanted, um, that you've been enjoying. You can't. I'm saying cider. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not. The, um, so like what's in your mug is a thing that we do. So we go around, we share, I would say what's in my mug 
mug today, which I actually just really enjoyed uh, after doing a bunch of pour overs, was the Lark Street Blend from Stacks. Yeah. It was really, really nice and refreshing, and I finished it already. <laughs> Sue? So I like the Dirty Chai Latte. I believe it's Harney oh, and yeah. Sons Chai, and then okay. the Shot of Espresso mm, Stacks. That new school oh, espresso. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Mm. What do you got, Carol? <laughs> Always a good one. Uh, my favorite, because fall is always an iced maple latte. So oh, yeah. A lot of times I'll come down and get that with oat milk and yeah. start your day. Nice, Ron. I'm drinking non-alcoholic sparkling cider. I'm sick of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> As you should be after dealing with it so much throughout the week. It's really funny. Uh, I run into people all the time who are like, oh, my God, do you drink the most coffee. I'm like, I drink less coffee than I drank before I worked in coffee. That's what everyone assumes of me as well. I'm like, I drink eight ounces a day on average. <laughs> it's really <laughs> a disappointing number. Yeah. Well, in my industry, I'm the opposite. I've been drinking more cider than <laughs> usual. Oh, really? Nice. I like that. I, I might yeah. need to tone it down. Alcoholic beverages are much more conducive to drinking a lot of than coffee <laughs> That's is. True. I've, uh, I've uh, given myself a self-appointed title of taste testers. So oh, yeah. Anytime we have a, a new menu item, I'm like, Yes, sign I me must up. fulfill this. Yeah, I will bear this burden. I, yeah, will, ca- really I will carry this burden. cross. <laughs> All right. Second most important question on the podcast. What's your jam? Now, this can be an artist, an album or a song that you've just been absolutely loving of late. You don't worry. It's not your favorite ever. It's not the thing that defines you as a piece of music. It's just a thing for the week. Uh, I'll start first. Mine personally, I was listening to it this morning on the way down here. I absolutely love of Tyler, the creator's new album, uh, specifically the song Hot Wind Blows with uh, Lil Wayne on it. It's the best Lil Wayne's rapped in years and years. And I like on the way down here, I was just it's DJ drama too, who used to do a bunch of mixtapes. And yeah, I'm just I'm all about it. I was vibing. What do you got Sue? so? Honestly, this past week, I've been a little bit addicted to information coming out about Winds of Winter, George R. R. Martin's new book. Oh, the next book in the OK. And fire series there's rumors again that it's coming out shortly and i've been listening to every podcast i possibly can about <laughs> spoilers your your jam is a potential jam yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i get into that like waiting for something to come out and then i'm like okay what else should i wait for now what else am i gonna wait for it's always like in the future i love that <laughs> care what you got uh, well, I guess it's a video I watched this morning where it was a busker. And for those that don't know what busker is, it's a oh. musician mm-hmm. who, you know, sings on the street and he's singing a Modest Yahoo song. Whoa. And then the camera pans and they're standing Modest Yahoo. Ooh. Watching and him? He's watching in a coffee him. shop. He's not in a coffee shop. Oh, that happened in a coffee shop too at an open mic. No way. With Modest Yahoo. Yeah. That's there was a dude awesome. like covering Modest Yahoo yeah. who walked up and watched him and he didn't. He didn't know. He didn't it. know. We might have saw the video. It might have been. I think he was. Was he wearing a Hawaiian shirt? I can't remember. Okay. It's been a long time. I'll, I'll try to look it up though. But yeah. Right. He doesn't I, even know that it's the singer who He's wrote very the coverable. Song. Yeah. It, I feel like especially in like the busking community. Like totally. It, oh, yeah. Well, it was one of the kind, best Kind of reggae, kind of rappy. Like, you he know. He was here like, uh, at Pearlpalooza just a couple years ago. Yeah. Right on Pearl Street. It yeah. was amazing. And sometimes he looks like a busker. So he just oh, blends yeah. in. <laughs> totally yeah. yeah. Ron, what's your jam? I have been listening to Fix the Error uh, by Between the Buried and Me on the new album Colors 2. 
obsessively i i just there's that drum solo and i just groove i dance in my car i don't dance but i dance in my car to a drum solo because it is, it is the With catchiest drum solo that has ever, yes exactly <laughs> it is the catchiest drum solo that i think has maybe ever been written and then it goes into the guitar solo but if you listen really carefully you can hear a banjo being plucked in the background Ooh. and it's why i love this goddamn band so much between the bear and me is amazing. Um, all right, let's jump into questions. We got this uh, first one. Favorite Halloween movie. Uh, this was more of a like I, I have these actually prioritized top to bottom coffee oriented and then veering away from coffee. I'm going to read them bottom to top so that we can participate more and then get more specific into the coffee. Favorite Halloween movie. Go. I'm going last on this one. Hocus Pocus. The others. Perfect. The others. Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. What do you got? I can't even think of one. I hate Halloween. I hate Halloween. Oh, I won't pretend to. Then, then say trick or treat because there's the guy who hates Halloween in it. Trick or treat. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm I'm a big nightmare before. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. The nightmare before Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's, that's a that's a multi. Favorite. I do. It's, it's both. Christmas. It's yeah. both. It's totally both. I'll, I, I will watch it during both seasons. But I love it. Focus Focus came out in July of oh all things and it totally bombed and now it's a cult classic. Yeah. How did it Ridley bomb? Scott. I feel like that movie was on so Halloween in repeat July? in my house. Yeah. yeah. That's what happened to Blade Runner. Halloween. Not in July. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? That's what happened to Blade Runner. The movie Blade Runner. It oh. When it went out. Um, really? Ebert gave it two stars. Yeah. It was wow. a couple. Like, a Ebert's hardcore though. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> favorite treat to pair with coffee. This is a Sue question. If ever there was a Sue question. I I really like peppermint bark. I like like a 80% dark chocolate with peppermint bark. Oh yeah. Because it melts in your mouth and makes it all nice and tangy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That's like, that's a, that's like a tactile sensation almost. Yeah. You got like the feeling of the mint. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, yeah, this one, for me, I can't pick because it's it's very uh, time dependent. I'm very oh. much an afternoon coffee and treat kind of guy. Okay, so currently, so currently, well, I had a delicious maple donut this morning, but Ooh. I kind of think afternoon treat. What did Sue make recently? <laughs> yeah, and I come down and I get coffee and a treat. So the oh, that was uh, what is it? The fruit tarts. Those yeah. are always delicious. Ooh, fruit tarts. Oh, tart. They're really good. Ron, what do you got? If it's diner coffee, cheesecake. If it is specialty coffee and we have some like pairing ability, cheese. Actually. Yeah, cheese. Uh the good. Yeah, I know. Uh I I worked on a cheese and coffee pairing with the hollow or for the hollow with Eric Paul. Eric Paul? Yep. Yeah. From uh the cheese traveler. Um who's like a super interesting guy. And um we sat around and tasted cheese and coffee together for like four hours and it was way cooler than I expected. Um, the, if you sip the coffee first, it actually heats your palate in this way that as soon as you put the cheese on your tongue, it immediately releases oils in like this overwhelming, like just rush of flavor. It's really, really awesome. And then you can kind of take the pairing tact of pairing similar flavors, um, where there's like a, fairly middle of the road cheese with a fairly middle of the road coffee, you know, maybe like a Colombian with a 
cheddar, you know, just something that, you know, pretty standard. Or you can pair like something really earthy like a Sumatra with uh, something really funky like a blue. Um, and then you've got cool. like the earthy actually um, mellows out the funkiness of the blue cheese. Or we did like an Ethiopian with a buffalo milk cheese where like the fruitiness and acidity of the Ethiopian kind of um, tempered the the brothy um yeah like the sort of brothy saltiness of a buffalo milk cheese I'm into and it this. was really really interesting it was it's definitely something sue and i have talked about doing do in it. the future as like a a fun little little afternoon ditty next seasonal and, uh, yeah next seasonal showcase <laughs> exactly. I, i'm, I'm I big on savory over sweet uh, i mean i like sweet i like food but i love Same. savory so uh, coffee and cheese pairing is my lane big time yeah I'm I'm savory over sweet as well, uh, you know, and uh, but I'm pretty classic when it comes to pairing, and I love nothing more than sitting down with an espresso and a croissant. Yeah, mm, that's it. Yeah. Very that's simple for good. me. Yeah, especially good. like especially on a sunny day. Like if it's a sunny Sunday, doesn't matter what season it is, I can sit down with an espresso and a croissant and just enjoy myself and read something, you know? Uh, next question, favorite brew method. So this is espresso, drip coffee, pour over, uh, no wrong answers for anybody, regardless of experience in coffee. Everyone has a favorite. Well, everyone has a favorite, regardless of how many methods you've tried, right? So, Ladies, if you'd like to, first. Espresso. Oh, espresso girl. I like All drip right. coffee. Okay, drip. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of drip coffee? Well, that's the thing is I'm just beginning to learn. Yeah. Since, since I've been here, mm -hmm. I, when I come in, I'll ask the baristas to fix me something amazing. I'll say, you pick. You you make something for me and tell me what it is afterwards yeah. so I can learn. Um, but I've just always done drip coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Which is interesting because you're stated favorite drink is an espresso based drink. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I thought you so. said, what, what do I make it's best? True. No, no, no. Your favorite oh, brew method. No, sorry, Drew, yeah. no, no wrong answers. My best. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what's your brew method? Uh, I'm vacillating between a modified Kalita wave and a V60. I'm going to say yours is most likely V60 because that's how you approach coffee. Like, and you, you've told me so many times how much you like tweak your v60 recipe and like fine-tune it yeah but that was before i learned how to modify my kalita to make it behave more like a flat-bottomed v60 with yeah. a faster flow so what is it right now <laughs> i don't know i'm just switching back and forth between the two. what is it today i have you literally used both today <laughs> i i made a v60 at home and a modified kalita here then it's a tie it's a tie it's a tie right <laughs> Mine's the origami. That's my new favorite. It came out this year and it was like, or it looked like a, like a fad thing. And I, but like I saw, uh, who was it? It was, it was, uh, Ali no, it was Alika and Bartholomew Jones. So it was Alika from Onyx and then Bartholomew Jones from coffee black. And they were making stuff on the origami. I was like, what is that brewer? And before they were done brewing coffee, I had ordered one. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, it's really sexy. It's like the prettiest pour over brewer that yeah. maybe has ever has ever been yeah and i've got a nice like black one I've, i i toss my little filter into it and i've been working with that for so long that my my recipes are pretty dialed in what filters do you use 
Uh, I actually use Kalita wave filters. Okay. Yeah. I, I know some people also use V60 filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you can use either. That's what I like about it. The aeration that happens in there is really, really cool. Have you messed with changing up filters or filter papers or anything like that? Absolutely not. God damn it, Kevin. <laughs> oh, you guys would be horrified when I used to run out of filters. I'd put in a paper towel like back in college when I was broke. You make it work. <laughs> I grew up God poor. Forbid. I know what that's okay. like. <laughs> I have I have also done that. Okay. I mean, like there there have been actually while I worked in coffee, which makes it way more shameful, uh, at one point I think I didn't have a grinder. This was maybe when I was working at Tierra. And I had been sick for two days and I was kind of coming out of it and I like had a terrible headache because I needed coffee, but I only had whole bean coffee and I, <laughs> I ground it with a rolling pin. <laughs> I put it, I kept it in a plastic bag. Yeah. I mean, it's like a goddamn drug addict, like crushing oh, pills oh under a dollar bill. Like I ground coffee beans with a rolling pin in a plastic, like yes. quart, a one quart cat plastic bag. It yes. was terrible. Oh, wow. we can talk about those things. I remember. Um, all right. So here's, I'm going to diversify this question a little bit. Um, the, the question initially was, if you could do one thing to improve the coffee chain, what would it be? But I'm going to say, if you could do one thing to improve part of your supply chain or, uh, or like, or your, um, your livelihood right now, chain, oh, what Lord. would it be? We need the oh, supply no, chain. I, yeah. I, I, I would say like your larger industry, not like, right. like obviously there's COVID shit messing everything up, but like the larger industry, there's, um, weak spots or places where people are getting exploited or whatever yeah. in all supply chains. So, I mean, obviously with food, that is like a, a very vast ranging supply chain. So I don't know which part of that feels applicable for you, but obviously apples and I've got mm -hmm. coffee and, you know, Kevin's, I presume has a coffee answer. Yes. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's more what we're looking for. I would love for some of the laws that came about during COVID to actually be put back in place. Oh, because, really? Yeah, they relaxed a lot of things, made it more easier to more easier, made yes. it easier to yes. get product to consumer. So for us as a farm cidery, now those have rolled back already. They've rolled back already. Oh, we're not allowed to ship in New York State. It's part of like the farm cidery rules. And, and you were for like a year and a half. And we were for a year and a half, which helped save the business being able to ship, you know, anywhere in the U.S. But also, more importantly, for other small businesses, like to go cocktails with your dinner, like that was a big one. And yeah. Being able to, I loved it. Wow. Being able to get delivery with a cocktail. Yeah. Like, it helped a lot of businesses survive during the tough time. And now we're not exactly out of the tough times yet, but all of that has been rolled back and you can't get that anymore. What do you got? You Sue? know what? Kara brings up a good point. Originally, I was going to talk about meat, but I, I think that there is something that's a little bit more of a sticking point for me, and that's um, delivery services, like mm. like Door, <laughs> DoorDash and... Uh, mm -hmm. Grubhub, Grub yeah, I really, I would really like to tackle that. I'd really like to talk about the exploitation of that. Yeah, I Not, love them in theory. I know, mm -hmm. but I know 
as I hate them so much. <laughs> I argue with my wife about this all oh, the time. God. I it's it's really difficult because we are a split household, mm. yeah. and she loves Grubhub. Yeah. She doesn't work in food, and I'm like, this fucks people. It does so badly. Does. They are yeah. so beholden to the business brought in via Grubhub because it's so convenient. Yeah. But Grubhub is like exploiting the work. Sorry, you. This is your topic. You yeah. talk no, about no, it. No, no, this is a no, good topic. It. I'm really grateful yeah. for that because yeah. yeah, I have to tell you as a as a business owner what would happen is and most people don't know that that when you make a price point of a menu item you do it one-third food cost one-third labor one-third overhead right so you're at 33 33 33 yeah grubhub takes 35 percent oh my There's god your profit of, and more yes of your order so you have That's two choices over a third of part of your yes. estimation yes mm-hmm. exactly so you have to hope either that you're selling a ton of it so it inflate or you've already it makes it up you've, yeah it makes it up or you have to increase what a person is going to pay for an item on grubhub so if they go into your shop and they buy it and it's like $15 and then they order on Grubhub and it's 20, yeah. there's a lot of customers who are really upset by that. Like they don't understand, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. but that's why. Yeah. And, but then you have a problem because if you're going to charge $20 for something that you know is worth 15, then your people are going to get upset because they feel like they've been, Cheated. Cheated. Yeah, because yeah, right, they're, yeah. they're used to being it. They're used to getting meal. it for fifteen. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then you get smacked on Grubhub, wow. and what Grubhub does is it puts all those reviews into your profile. So when people decide to order, they look at the reviews. Oh my god. So you're screwed. Either, Either way, way. You go with that. Wow. Yeah, right. You're screwed. Oh, yeah. that's horrible. Yeah. So I just I I hate it. Damn. As an okay. idea, it is really nice. But yeah. Man, Grubhub. Come but on. the execution just isn't there right yeah, now. Yeah, I can understand fifteen, twenty, maybe. Yeah. And then you have yeah. to protect the driver. Obviously, Gru- what Grubhub should do is add, like, have your price. And then just add the Grubhub charge on top of it and charge the customer for yes. it. But they it know that it would they know Grubhub. that it would sink their fucking business yep. in three seconds because it's coming out of people's pockets instead of the restaurateurs who are now completely beholden to a service who brings in over the fifty percent of their business but also takes their entire profit margin. Entire it is so margin. fucking infuriating. Yeah. I'm like almost tearing up, and we don't even use Grubhub. I get so mad. <laughs> it it no. sucks. Uh, yeah. So uh, really, like what? Wh- we're kind of like getting at here is that the only businesses that would really benefit Grubhub are businesses that are chain restaurants that are yes. already exploitative in their own manner right. because really they're tax write-offs for larger beverage companies. Not only yeah. that, but but that one number, that overhead number for them is a, is a, a standard number. It stays here. So if you sell like more. T- more than you've already paid that off and then you begin to profit, you begin to get more of a profit on top of Grubhub, but you have to... S- you have to sell so much food to meet that. And so chains are the only ones doing it. And also Chili's doesn't have a 33% profit margin. They've got a fucking 67. So even if they lose an entire 35% of that, they're just getting more business. They went, than they would get originally with a smaller profit margin. Mm rather than cutting your profit margin right. because yeah. they're using garbage food but cha- charging chain prices. Completely true. Yeah. And and also, like I'm not going to speak yeah. for... Sorry, chilies. But there's <laughs> there's a lot of chilies where they're hiring laborers to work in the kitchen who aren't... <sighs> who aren't making $22 an hour. They're making yeah. 12 so that labor is low too. And then they're just taking mm-hmm. the profit and putting it towards corporate that's in Houston. Mm. Yeah. That's not what we want. Yeah. yeah. But then you have small businesses that I understand it's tough. 
it's you know you're doing many things many hats yeah. but you have to look at the common sense things of is my phone number published so that a customer could call you and place exactly. an order yeah do you have your menu published so that they could see what you're offering is it out True. of date yeah. it's little things like that that I've I there. I've been there and I want to order from a company and then I try to call I can't I yeah. try to find their menu I can't so and cash it's flow. tough yeah and cash flow yeah. is good so even if oh, you're cash completely is always dead like you mm-hmm. want cash flow no matter mm-hmm. what you know even if it's negative yeah mm-hmm. all right next question we have here what oh jesus oh my god well i'm sorry we got so into those we got so into those okay i here's how i already know my answer my answer is super simple i've given it before on the podcast i would improve the way that the coffee chain functions or the way that like the coffee circle works really uh by having more access to direct trade i would find ways to connect farmers producers with roasters more immediately um just and once again it comes down to like ratio and exploitation and re- like you said earlier we we got coffee fedexed to us <laughs> from shadi awesome. and elias yeah. that's an amazing thing yeah. right now fedex of course there's the fedex chart but like ultimately having those direct relationships improves quality and can improve like quantity over time. I paid less to get that coffee FedEx to me than I think I usually do by getting it delivered on a pallet now yeah. in, you know, which isn't always which, an importer's fault. Sometimes no, it's no. the company that they use to get things over here. It is, I would say distinctly not an importer's yeah. fault. Uh, the average price of filling a container of coffee and shipping it from, I think, I think the example was Columbia to you know the Northeast Continental Terminals in New Jersey yeah. has gone from approximately fifteen hundred dollars to between eight and twelve thousand dollars. It's insane. Um, we just recently paid six thousand dollars to is, get something shipped. It is completely yep. out of control. <sighs> yeah. Um, and and I don't think importers are the bad guys. I don't, and I don't yeah. think it neither can nor should be entirely on importers to absorb that cost. Agreed. Um, I, I, there's a lot of small and ethical importers who just straight up cannot, I, that's, that, that is almost 10 times an increase of 10 times your normal cost. Like mm-hmm. that would put any company in any industry out of business. Um, yeah. But there's so many people throughout the chain that kind of like get hit by these things because, you know, there's also trucking delays. So we're paying, you know, there's there's the import costs, but then there's also which drives the price of the coffee up. So then if I order a pallet of coffee and, you know, say 10 bags used to cost me six thousand dollars. If I bought those same ten bags this year, they might cost me seven and a half thousand, eight thousand dollars. So I'm wow. putting more co- more coffee out up front, um, but then also because they're and that's 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 not even connected with the C market stuff. That's just from the spreading of those uh, transport costs, you know, from shipping on a on a you know yeah. cargo container. Um, but then also where I maybe used to uh, pay $250 for a pallet to get shipped from continental terminals to Albany, New York. I'm now paying 450. Yeah. So there's just all, and you know, Colombian coffee, uh, you know, Brazil had a shitty harvest. So sea market prices are flying through the roof, which is great for farmers. But I mean, Colombian coffee farmers are defaulting 
on their deliveries of coffees that they already agreed to because the sea market is flying so high that they are planning they are banking on being able to sell that coffee at a such such a higher rate that they not only can pay off their defaulted sales they can also make more on top of the defaulted sales than they would have from the original sale to begin with even after paying them off wow. and i mean that just shows it shows the fucking downside of these <laughs> i'm not going to Okay. Say all the things I was going to say. It, it shows the downside of having a speculative coffee market yeah. instead of a stable coffee market because um, exploitative companies have been reaping the benefits of a C market price at 96 cents per pound mm -hmm. for the last two years, which is below the cost of production for farmers. Mm. Um, and now that C market price is at 450, and those you know, wow. and and all companies are suffering, and. Colombian coffee farmers are benefiting, I guess, but I would argue it is uh, a better way of life to have a stable or relatively stable income that mm -hmm. you can depend on year over year rather than six years of starvation and then a windfall that you have to bend over backwards to get and hope mm. Brazil gets an early frost. Yeah. You know, it's like literally an act of God windfall. Well, then it's not necessarily great news for some people who are experiencing hard times based yeah, on the frost in Brazil. Yeah, right. yeah. Brazil screwed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just, you know, it just benefits Colombia. Yeah, well, not just Colombia. We shouldn't, others, we shouldn't have to, you know, yeah, have our have benefits be rely on other exactly. people's downfall. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How would you improve uh, the coffee chain? The coffee um, cycle? I would, I would restructure fair trade. Um, mm -hmm. as, a, as an organization like Fairtrade USA, I think really sucks. Um, and I think people that don't know use it as the gold standard of what is ethical trading. And mm. I think that it is not particularly ethical, at least in coffee trading. I don't mm -hmm. know about its relation to anything else. Um, but I, I don't think that it's a particularly ethical system because it still is based on an exploitative sea market. Um, and I would also work on getting the big, big, big coffee companies, uh, Nespresso, JBH Holdings, um, you know, uh, Nescafe, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Starbucks, stuff like that. Buying some kind of certified, like price stabilized coffee, because yeah. I think that no matter what we do as a specialty industry, we're still like 4% of global coffee buying. Like yeah. if, if every coffee, specialty coffee company paid $10 a pound straight farm gate prices to the buy or to the farmer, it would be a drop in the bucket compared to what would happen if one, if just Nescafe, if just Nescafe brought, bought price stabilized coffee, it would make more of an effect than it would if the, if every single roastery in the entire global specialty coffee market mm. bought ethically and above. Yeah. Um, so uh, that, that would be mine. So Grubhub and Nest Cafe, we're going after them. Fuck them. <laughs> Bring them down. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. <laughs> All right. Next, next question to continue our happy little uh, trip through these questions. We have, um, I'm going to alter it once again. The original question was, is coffee going extinct? Um, I'm going to change that to, has there been an environmental impact recently in your industry? 
pandemic. Like I said, right? we're continuing our happy trip <laughs> through our <laughs> questions. So happy. Uh, Sue, you want to hit us off with that? Yeah, I can only speak from personal experience and, and what I think I'm perceiving. I think it's going to take some time for us to be able to reflect and see what happened to us over the last two years. But my initial feelings uh, is, is that the small independent business is extremely vulnerable. It's so vulnerable. It's, it's already vulnerable to chains. It, and now it's vulnerable to, God, can, can a family be without a paycheck for a week? If you're a small business owner, you really can't. I no. mean, we always knew that. But when times were good, you might not have felt it. It's not until you had to shut down that you realize, like, you look at your, I looked at my husband and my daughter and I was like, holy crap, you know, like, I, yeah, I think it has, at least for me. It's 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 a wake-up call in a way um, where it was really fun to be like the queen of my own little kingdom, as I, I like to put it, until I was extremely alone and very lonely and very scared when I realized that we really need each other as a community. So what I've seen happen, at least in the small business community that I'm a part of, is we've become much friendlier and more tolerant of each other mm. and working with each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. Like I love having Kara here because she works with a company that I admire, yep. does things that I don't do. Yeah, You know what I mean? I am so thrilled to be with Stax. We've been talking about this for six years and it just, it made perfect sense to me. All of a sudden I was like, I want to be a part of this. It's mm. strong. It's it's um, energized. It's yeah. a really great brand. They do really good things. They're immensely popular. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. It, it was easier. And there's other businesses like Barton Baker and, and other places that I really enjoy who they are. And instead of automatically thinking about other small businesses as competitors, I think about them as friends. And what is the strength that I love and how mm. can we work together to be successful? Yeah. That is what has changed for me. Yeah. Completely. I wasn't thinking like that, I don't think, like oh, three or four years ago. Maybe in a small way, but not like I am today. Yeah, to add on to your comment about energy, I'm going to start bringing Kara into our uh, Tuesday meetings. Oh. Just because it's already, it's already <laughs> good. It's already good. I'm letting you know. Sweet. Yeah, we have great staff meetings. Nice. Yeah. nice. I, got, I got booed for having a work-related segue one day. Because oh. it, it, it's all... It's not allowed. It's good. Yeah, it's not allowed. <laughs> I was like, I, was like I, I didn't know what to bring in and then... <laughs> They were like, they're like, no, don't away, talk Kevin. about work. We do that after. We do, we do enough of that. No, they're Put really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good energy for those. Nice. Have you had an en an environmental shift in your views or has, has there been an environmental impact on your industry? Hmm. So many ways to go with this question. It's yeah. very like personal business and like, yeah. Um, what Sue said, kind of piggybacking, but uh, that was one of the reasons that I've always admired Ninepin and loved uh, joining their company is that they do collaborate so much with mm -hmm. other businesses. They've never been one to say, you know, this is our, our corner of the world and mm. no one else is, yeah, get out. You can't be in here. So we're constantly looking for partners. So, mm -hmm. you know, we did this put cider in it campaign and tried to find good um, partnerships to put cider in said products, drive wow. business to their locations by offering those items. Yeah. And then we do pop-ups and drive business to our location because they want the cider to pair with it. That's uh, awesome. We have some post the recipes. So, mm. you know, you can make that pork Normandy that Sue put together and recipes posted. Uh, but then, yeah, we also like, we partner with Primo Botanica. We're having a chocolate bar come out soon. Oh, I love Oliver. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have um, Rick Orlando's uh, barbecue sauce that we put together. So Wait, awesome. wait, what? Yeah, we have you a guys have a 
have a barbecue sauce, sauce yeah. with local celebrity chef Rick Orlando? We do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we have Wait, a lot. do we have it? Is that why you were pointing over there yeah, just right now? Over there. Oh, it's literally right there. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to yeah. try some of that. Always, we're, we're always up for uh, should we try <laughs> this? Can we do it? Yeah. Sure. What are you laughing at, Rod? Local, local celebrity <laughs> chef Rick Orlando just tickled me so I didn't, I didn't want so to like funny. overshoot it. <laughs> so you didn't read the Did you know he was on Chopped him. twice? <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> That's the one thing I get any anybody who says Rick Orlando to me yep. is like, and good for him, and I love that. Um, I, New World Bistro is still open, right? They survive. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm going there soon. Yeah, he's he's not there anymore. He's not there. Yeah, oh, he, he sold out. He, he's doing his. Uh, he's doing something else, right? Yeah, he's got all his like. Spicy. He's cruising, taking he's a little in break Italy right now. Actually, yeah, he's he's just doing his thing. Uh, Man, New World New World Bistro is just New World Bistro, oh. not like. New World Bistro by Rick Orlando. Anymore. Well, good for Rick Orlando. Yo, Jeez, I man. Ran New World Bistro for 10 years or however long. I'd fucking dip too. Man. <laughs> that's, like, that's a lot of work, man. I'm out of here. Yeah, restaurants are a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Ron, let's get into the coffee part. Is coffee going extinct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin. Uh, you are a great podcast host. You oh, have just you. like you have thank you. expertly pivoted these questions <laughs> thank to bring you. in non coffee people, and I am color me impressed. It's man. like I've been uh, doing it for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. It's As a I little bit the like the Sorry. the podcast version of like uh, being on Food Friday with Ray Braff. Oh which yeah. Is, well, it's just really bizarre because like you're talking to him, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Ron, how's it going?" You know, like you're having yeah. a normal conversation. And then it like the little beep goes off to you know say that you're on air and he's like welcome to Food Friday <laughs> you know like he goes he goes right into like the, the NPR up. voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's <laughs> you do the same oh thank you you're yeah, yeah. Um, I I have a switch yeah yeah it's great uh, so for the bummer part of that question yes coffee's going extinct yes um, hopefully it won't really happen in our lifetimes no um, but. You know, we talked about the sea market spiking and the Colombian coffee thing. Like these things are getting are happening more and more often. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as anyone that's been paying attention to the weather in literally any way, there's you know yeah. more high water events in the Catskills happening right now. Yeah. There's you know more hurricanes have hit the Northeast in the past 15 years than you know the previous 35 combined. You know, mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't know the specifics, but. Um, there's there's these more um, extreme weather events happening all over the world, yeah. and that same thing is happening in coffee producing countries in the global south. Um, yeah. You know, Brazil Brazil is the largest coffee exporter in the world. So when I say the Colombian coffee is is selling for extremely high prices, coffee sold on the speculative commodities market, and Brazil as far and away the world's largest coffee producer, with Vietnam being the second if Brazil has a bad harvest, coffee prices go up for the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, like the price of everyone else's coffee goes up. This year, Brazil had both drought and frost. Yeah. Um, and wow. it just wrecked mm. their harvest. Yeah. It just wrecked their harvest. I mean, uh, anybody who grows anything that hears yeah, those two terms, yeah. frost, you right. had like both the of two, those. The two extremes. They know. Of, yeah, it's the two extremes of just like you're really losing stuff. bad oh, news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, Brazil had both in one year. You know, wow. and, and it just wrecked them. Yeah. And so 
that kind of stuff. And again, this is in the global South. These are some of the most exploited communities in mm. the world. Mm. Um, and they can't, they can't, I, th- I think I'm speaking in a way that, um, most would, would agree with, uh, in those communities, but I, I don't think that they can, that's not sustainable for them no. to lose out on, you know, an entire year's worth of crops. Yeah, no, it's not in many years. They're already selling for like a loss, almost a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes definitively a loss, mm-hmm. you know, d- below, below mm-hmm. the cost of production mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they make up some of it and, uh, that it's just, it's there's there's like 15 different levels of not fair there yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah well apple forges often go through the same thing there's yeah. the three right, levels yeah. of of quality of apple grade a being what you see in a grocery store mm-hmm. grade or grade a being in what you see in a grocery store grade b is cider making apples and then grade c is it's it's a loss and wow it's not Goes consumable. To the pigs kind of thing yeah it's exactly gone yeah but oh, a man. lot of orchards that grade b they produce it at a loss they press it they sell it to big manufacturer juice makers mm-hmm. and they or they chuck it because the loss it costs more it costs more to make that juice right. than than it, it does to just chuck it just chuck it yeah wow. and all the logistics included in that you know like wow. you you make juice you have to have the pressing equipment mm-hmm. you have to have storage you maybe have to have pasteurization equipment mm-hmm. um and then you know there's all the shipping logistics and you know, to have Welch's come in and say, like, I'll give you four cents a gallon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Find the local pig farmer. To, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll come pick it up. I mean, my, my answer kind of echoes your answer. So I, I think what I would add to that is it's something that I've been the, the reframing and rephrasing of my thoughts around that area, especially with coffee going like I we've known about this right. for a while. Like this has been this happening and it's people, continuing yeah. um, is that, you know, it, we are going to need to have a, a concentrated intentional human effort to combat what up to this point has been an unintentional human impact on the environment. Human, human intervention and the development of industrialized technologies and industries in general has brought us to a point where now we're going to have to reframe the way that we think and look back upon the impact that we've had and try to create a more positive impact to negate some of the effects moving forward. You are such an optimistic man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm saying we have to do that. I really love and respect your (laughs) boundless optimism. Thank you. All right. Next question. Getting a a little more fun, getting a little more frisky with it. Uh, I'm going to ask this. Have you ever had a flat white, Kara? I think once. Yeah. Okay. Have you had a cappuccino? Yes. Great. Ron, is it a flat white or is it a baby cappuccino? God damn it. (laughs) It depends on what country you're in. It depends on what store you're getting it from. Okay, if so so for Ron Greco, chain that ends with a word that remind that rhymes with a swear word. Is it a, a word that you can hunt? Yeah. <laughs> then yes. Yeah. All right. It doesn't it's so it, no for, Ron, for Ron Greco? Is it a flat white or is it a baby cappuccino and why? To me, I consider a flat white basically the same thing as cortado. Okay, perfect. But that's not what people want when they order it. From Absolutely me. not. And so I give them what I think they want. Yes. I, I actually just clarify with people. I'm like, hey, th- is this what you mean? Yeah. Because it's 
it's like having a made up, mm-hmm. a made up drink that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so I just, I just clarify what people mean. I'm like, do you want an eight ounce flat white? They're like a large flat white. It's just a latte, but if, I'll give it to them and tell them. Well, it's yeah, white yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what they want. Okay. So, so when someone actually wants a flat white, I'll make them a cortado. What? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like caramel macchiato is a word that you hate. Yes. I, I have yes. learned grace. Um, yeah. And All I right. say, you know, it's been around long enough that we've learned what? to just be like, yeah, Except. Right. Oh yeah. No, but the, I mean, it's, it's hard because, you know, Starbucks took the term macchiato, like macchiato means marked by foam or marked by milk or something. And it's supposed to traditionally be a three ounce drink and a little bit made it into a, a 16 ounce latte. That's just put to get like you foam the milk first and you put mm-hmm. the espresso in later or something mm-hmm. with caramel and vanilla. And so now, you know, oh, we serve a traditional macchiato and people come here and they yeah. order a caramel. I mean, if, if people no. order a caramel macchiato, it's pretty clear what they want. We just make them a you know, caramel latte with vanilla in it. But, um, but it gets confusing when people think they want a caramel macchiato without caramel. Like they want, they, so they just order a macchiato thinking mm-hmm. they're going to get a Starbucks style macchiato, but without caramel. And then, so when they get a drink that's primarily a shot of espresso with basically an ounce of foamed milk, they're like, what the hell is this? You know, it's really not what they're expecting at all. So, you know, we've, we've sort of developed a relatively graceful way to talk about it with people and be like, do you want this one or do you want this one? I think that's been a learning experience on both sides of the cast register. Totally. Yeah. 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 This has been happening for a long time now. Yeah. Um, Next question. Uh, we were we were talking about uh, flat whites and baby cappuccinos. You're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next question. This one is specifically for Ron. 208 degrees or 212 degrees. Now, this is uh, these are temperatures that you would use for pour over coffee. Okay. Yep. Or AeroPress. Uh, 208 degrees or 212 degrees, Ron? If you're going AeroPress, the recommended temperature is 170 <laughs> degrees. Thank you very much. Uh, but... I'm 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 212 all all the way straight off the boil because it is nearly impossible to have an accurate count like you're 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 losing heat as soon as you pour you're losing heat as soon as you pour but also like who turns off the boil and watches it go from 212 down to 208 and is like okay pour 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 you know like (laughs) you can't do it so you just start at 212 every time and then you should have like a relatively stable temperature gradient going down mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Does he need help? I yeah, dude, struggling. Um, maybe. I'm going to go help. Okay. All right, here. I'll, I'll carry it. <laughs> Ladies, I have another question for you uh, okay. submitted m- by our dear uh, our, our dear coffee father, Matthew Lyocano of Superior Merchandise. He asks, how handsome is too handsome? If you look like, a, like you belong in a boy band... It's too handsome. You like a little grit? I like a lot of grit. You saw my husband. John's got, John's got a and gritty <laughs> beard. A lumberjack I, asked, uh, yeah. I, I asked Matthew Lyocano how handsome is too handsome. Although I am into F1 Keeping racing and all of the, the racers look like they belong in a boy band. They all have like the manicured eyebrows. Like you know that they're waxing mm. that. That's so funny. Yeah. And I think they're like, cute. Yeah. <laughs> I, do. I would say it like makes them more aerodynamic or something, but they're, d- I don't know. I think it's a European thing. I got to be honest with you. It's kind of weird because I've seen some Italians. It doesn't quite fit that way. But anyway, I think it is somewhat European, like the 
the manicured fingernails and the mm-hmm. eyebrows and everything. I'm, I'm sure you can tell I'm all for grooming. Yes. <laughs> like a hundred percent. I, I, the other day I actually was like running around the apartment and I like, at one point I just stopped and I go, where is my shaving kit? Like, like the whole thing though. I was like, I need to groom today and like yelled it across the apartment Let's at my girlfriend. The calendar today is grooming day. No, I just really needed to. I was, I, I woke up feeling like a dude, you know, like, like a real, like a dude, dude, you know? And I, I was like, Oh, I got to the barbershop to Jamie's barbershop. Oh, go ahead. No, please no, continue. I sent them to Jamie's and, and I was like, Oh, I made an appointment for you. And then I went over to Jamie. I was like, you get that neck and you get those eyebrows. You get those eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect eyebrows. Oh. And he looks like this little kid. Like, what happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, doing the eyebrows. Is good. No, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's not. It good. makes a difference. It does. Yeah, crazy grandpa. Or I don't like that. Toned down. That. I get no. those. I don't want caterpillars <laughs> on my face. Caterpillars. I'm not a super tight groomer. Kara, how handsome is too handsome? Ah, uh, when you look like you should be a Disney prince in a movie. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a whole different level. I'm talking like Chris Pine. <laughs> talking like Jon Snow over Jamie Lannister. You oh, you're okay, so you're a Jon Snow over Jamie Lannister. Yeah. He's still like he has like really pretty features though, yeah, but right? But it's still got that yeah. gruff. Jon Snow is goddamn beautiful. He's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he's got like the long hair. But the hair is perfectly done even when he's a wildling, right? Well, when he came out of the Cave, not <laughs> coming out of he my emerged. cave, and I'm doing <laughs> he just fine. From the water in the cave, that was, that was yeah. Perfect. It was nice. Um, I have nice. I have one more uh, Ron question, which was, uh, can you please explain why I have to use specific grind sizes for different brewers? I, I, sure I think can. that was more like an annoyed question like someone who was like why do I they probably messed up and they got it ground like a little too coarse to make a pour over or you know a little too fine for like something and they okay were, they were mad dear reader yes <laughs> if you have gotten the wrong grind size and you say you're brewing on a Kalita and you got too fine of a grind size brew a smaller batch of Kalita Whoa, you have a solution. I do. You have a life hack. I do. Yeah. If, if it is too coarse, brew more coffee at once. If you huh. say you needed a medium and you got medium coarse and you normally use 25 grams to 100 grams, um, 25 grams of coffee to 100 gram, 400 grams of water. Sorry. Um, do 35 grams to 560 grams of water. Mm. Uh, just brew some more till it slows down to the proper kind of yeah the the total brew time you're talking um, about altering the ratio to improve the saturation and time explain what you mean by saturation uh well so if you're dripping slower that means that like the the water is in the bed a little longer right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, increasing contact time yes yeah. contact um, time. yeah i mean saturation was wrong word. so if if we're reading this question properly and you already got your coffee ground and you're mad about it because you messed up <laughs> you can just <laughs> I didn't mean to sound so because you that. messed First up. First of all, buy a goddamn you grinder. Messed up. First <laughs> you of all, <laughs> but <laughs> forgiving your terrible mistake, um, you can <laughs> you can adjust your brew size uh, to get the proper time ratio. Always, but good. 
if we're reading this question wrong and you're asking an earnest question, which is why do you use different grind sizes with different uh, brewers? It, yep. is, it is because different brewers flow have different flow rates and you need a certain amount of contact time mm. uh, to extract coffee properly. And that's based on a whole host of factors. But mm. a V60 generally brews a lot faster than a Kalita wave because it has one big hole at the bottom, yep. which allows for a lot more water to flow through. Um, whereas a V6 or a Kalita wave has a flat bottom with three, three little holes, tiny little holes at the yeah. bottom that often get clogged. And which is why you should put a little drain filter at the bottom to life hack that thing and to not clog it anymore. And but don't that's dump the drain filter into the, drain the, garbage. Filter in the garbage. Don't like do Kevin it did today. I flipped it over and I go, I did the thing Ron, Cause he told me I just bought an Amazon this package of like 17 of them because <laughs> it keeps happening unless I glue them in there. Um, but so yeah, Kalita brews a lot slower. So oh you, my God. you kind of inherently need a coarser grind for a Kalita than you do with a V60. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Ron, do you have any questions for these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question. Oh, whoa. So Kara's got a question. A couple weeks ago. I have a couple questions. I went in Instagram too. to a coffee oh, place nice. yeah. and it's a roaster. Yeah. And he's going on about how he is so anal. He roasts coffee. <laughs> is that the word he used? He, the word he used. <laughs> And it befuddled me, and I wanted to use okay. that word. Okay, good. He does anal or befuddled. befuddled. <laughs> Both. Both. He was anal. I was befuddled. Uh, it was he roasts one pound at a time because he says he's so particular about it. Does it actually really matter? Fuck no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a certain kind of customer. <laughs> She was laughing because she knows exactly know. the kind of customer. There's a certain kind of customer that knows just enough to think he knows everything, but not know a goddamn thing. Yeah, um, he does know some things, but he doesn't know. Like if people ask me really technical questions about like there's some things that have actual answers, but like I have so much to learn about coffee. Yeah. After a decade in the coffee industry and a lot of different jobs and a lot of different hats, I feel like I know less than I ever have known before. Yeah. Um, because I have a recognition of how much there still is out there and how much just like specialty coffee is very new. Um, but there's a certain kind of jerk that is just experienced <laughs> enough to think that he knows pretty much everything and thinks that maybe you can be so particular on a one pound roast. Yeah. I would never roast a pound of coffee at, at a time because the, the, the like thermal mass of that amount of coffee can be really hard to wrangle. Yeah. Um, like I have a 15 kilo roaster and it's going, if I roast 10 pounds on it, it's not more accurate than 20 pounds. It's actually less accurate. And you know, he, what he probably roasts one pound of coffee at a time, <laughs> is because he has a one pound coffee roaster. Yeah, because okay. like that you can get a home coffee yeah. roaster that can roast I was going to say time to expand upon my answer. We don't know what drum size he has for sure. his coffee roaster. Mm -hmm. And if that's like the weight that he's always used and that's what he uses to go off of. But even choice? then you have different coffee varieties mm -hmm. and they behave differently in the drum. Yeah, too. I mean, and there's a lot of there's a lot of factors. It, it just like the idea of saying that roasting one pound at a time rather than 15 pounds obviously is a capacity issue first off, but yeah. like the idea 
if it's at the right capacity ratio from one pound to 15 pound, the idea that roasting super tiny batches is inherently more accurate is nonsense. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I get the vibe of a certain kind of customer that like yeah. knows just enough to think he knows everything, but doesn't actually, you know, I've had people come in and try to like explain my coffees to me and just all sorts of nonsense where I'm is like there a phrase for that coffee splaining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. It's mansplaining. mansplaining. That's yeah. what it is. I've never had a woman do it to me ever in my life. It is still mansplaining. Yeah, it definitely is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have any have got, you, you have questions? Uh, okay. I yeah. Couple. Okay. These are just give me a couple uh, more. I want to hit the 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 stacks Instagram questions. Yeah. Um, is blooming necessary on an AeroPress? You want to answer that, Kevin? No. But depend Well, there's different recipes on the AeroPress. Is my answer to that? There and, is. And yeah, and ultimately I don't think it's necessary a hundred percent of the time. What's your answer well, on that? I mean, I, I don't think it's ever necessary one hundred percent of the time. Hold I think on. it's probably optimal with almost everything. Ladies, Do you think it's necessary? On the airbrush? I think it's optimal. Yeah, it's optimal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not necessary Here, in a V sixty. You can on. still brew a hold cup on. of coffee. Let it me, doesn't not brew if you don't bloom it. Let me also add on to this. I, I have an AeroPress. It was gifted to me by Matt Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. It was challenged to me by uh, our good friend uh, Mark, who runs um, Constellation. No, no, another coffee podcast. Um, why I can't think He's of his name shop. right now, and I hate myself. Um, no, he, but he works with like Mall Grab Coffee, and they do their own coffee pie. The Shop Table. Uh, Mark from the shop, ta- shop table and Matt actually challenged me to use the AeroPress 30 days in a row to like get used to using it because I don't I just do pour overs I do mm. Chemex I do origami and like and I was like oh yeah I'm gonna do it I haven't touched the thing <laughs> I hate <laughs> not even once. yeah if we're being real I'm I not crazy about it <laughs> I've had an AeroPress for like 10 years and I've never made a single goddamn good cup of coffee off of one I own um, one too and uh do you I, have an AeroPress? I do. Do you touch it? No. <laughs> well, to move it out of the way when I want other stuff in the cup. We have, we have There's one, a whole we have one audience member culture. And of I know that she has an AeroPress. She has made one cup with it ever. How was it? Not great. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I some people swear by it. I've heard that too. Listen, there's a world AeroPress championship and there it's kind is. of a big deal if you win it. It is but like Alan Adler created a cool Frisbee and then a coffee brewer and he is a he is a weird man and I respect him and there's like a lot of ingenuity there and I would love to have a cup of coffee from a world AeroPress champion because I think you have to be to brew a good goddamn cup of coffee on an AeroPress but it's fun to be able to put in a backpack and make when you're hiking. That's true. You don't need a good coffee when you're hiking. All right. And I do think that blooming it is you know the optimal way optimal. to bring Not it necessary. back to the original question. You know what yep. I use when I go camping? What? Canned coffee. There you go. There yeah. you go. Banco Gotiti? Yeah. All right. I don't well, know what you said that, right there, but I know that that's, one. Right that's, 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 our, that's, that's the can. That's the one you pointed yes. at. Yeah, yeah. That's good coffee. Um, what do you got? Does salt really reduce bitterness in coffee? I actually don't know the answer to that. I'm not even going to try. Yes. I'm not uh, going to try. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. There's not really? a huge thing that you can spin this off into. I've never Sue done might that. might be able to hit us on some culinary stuff, but I do know that um, salt, salt re- closes off some of the salt, the taste receptors that uh, 
allow you to taste bitterness. So what? if your coffee is bitter and um, a little bit astringent, which is the tactile sensation associated with bitterness. Yeah. Uh, like that drying sensation. You can add just a pinch. Don't add a lot of salt or it's just going to taste salty for coffee and that's gross, but just add a tiny pinch and yeah. it will reduce bitterness in your. Oh my God. Margarita, it's the same thing. Like if you have yeah, the salt it'll reduce, the lip and you have the lime, I mean, it does it'll the same reduce thing. bitterness it in anything. It's right. not only that's coffee. what that's for. It just balances. I never drank a margarita Kevin's correctly right now. <laughs> podcast <laughs> listener is pure shock and awe. It is amazing. I never tried to understand. I didn't know that I was just like, why do people put salt on margaritas? Who cares about that? Whenever <laughs> I make lemon, um, uh, lemon curd, I always use salted butter at the end. I whip it in instead of just plain butter because the salted butter really chills out. It just Whoa. adds complexity to it. I literally use salted butter for everything. Me too. I hate salted butter. I Me learned too. something new today. Me too. I know. They're always like, don't we use salted butter? I'm like, why? Bullshit. <laughs> of course. Wow. Bullshit. Yeah, I'm being. My mind is being blown right now. I don't know any of this stuff. I'm just like, yeah, wow, that's cool. You got any more? Got another question? Best home espresso machine on a budget. All right, ladies, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you what I use. Oh, what do you got? You have an espresso machine. You're the only one of all of us without an espresso machine or with an espresso machine. Which one? Oh, I don't know that answer. Well, all right. Well, that's good enough. They, it's Revel's metal close. cups. So I also was told that's even better because the heat and how it flows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like 10 years old at this point. That's fine. Oh, cool. Cool. What do you, you think? Um, depends on the budget. Oh, uh, if yeah. If we're going like sub 100 bucks, uh, I, uh, I'm really shooting myself in the foot here, but an arrow pressed with a Prismo cap. Um, <laughs> right after the I arrow press question. Because it's you the only goddamn way you can make anything <laughs> okay, even remotely right, close right, to right. espresso under for under $100. $100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mid-tier? And honestly, if you're looking to make espresso on, on under $100, just don't. Just go to the coffee shop. Yeah, just go buy an espresso. Find a good coffee shop and go buy an espresso because <laughs> it's going to be way better than anything you make for under $100. You're, you're um, saying the best at-home espresso machine is the shoes that get you to the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your Uber ride. Um, the Flare espresso maker is pretty cool. Um, that is definitely going to be over a hundred dollars, and there there are several tiers of Flare espresso maker. They're really good though. Um, but they're Batch. cool. They're yeah. cool. And if you if you get the if, fixings for it, yeah, you got yeah, you got to spring a little bit. Like, yeah, don't get yourself a blade grinder. Like, no. you know, get a burr grinder, even if it's a cheap one. Get a burr grinder. I yeah. would recommend like maybe a Barazza Encore is going to be like 125 bucks, and then yep. you know start with the base level Flare. You can get upgrades. I think throughout kind of right oh there, yeah there's a lot of things that you can kind of yeah, like start with the base model as you and, go yeah and get piece if, by piece if you um, wanted to hit the ground running with a flare i would say you're looking at spending between six and eight hundred dollars really that much with the flare with was like the fixings well it's like 275 for the new flare right. neo get, pro get the flare neo pro for 275 and then you and add then on the pressure gauge which we'll is like start another by package just adding on the grinder first okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Mess so then, then you're looking at like totally four suck you're looking at and three four hundred yeah with so spend 400 bucks and yeah. then like mess around with it till it doesn't totally suck yep. and then start spending little 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 money at a time with okay. the pressure thing yeah, what yeah. is it? The pressure gauge. The pre- you want the pressure gauge on it, yeah, so you can a pressure see. Gauge so you can see yeah, what you're yeah. doing and make it a little more repeatable. Have some more information about your variables. Yeah. Buy a scale. You buy a scale. Buy yeah. a scale. Measure your coffee. 
Um, That's the best thing you can do for at-home coffee. I think 100%. in general is just get a good scale. Hundred percent. I just learned uh, I need to put a, a grinder, new okay. grinder, in yeah. my Christmas list because I go. have a blade grinder. Are you going to come back, or do you have to wrap up? I'm getting a look. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. People on the podcast podcast didn't know that I was. They did not know I was getting a, a Kara look for, for having using a blade, blade grinder while being the only machine. one of us that oh. has an espresso machine. Well, in okay, Kara. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Ron and I had barely talked to each other before, and I posted an at-home coffee video <laughs> making a Chemex, and the only comment I got on it within ten minutes was Ron going. Why are you using that grinder? You ruined your coffee. Yo, <laughs> like it was, he started it was a hard. thing called Upstate Coffee Collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I had to come correct. He called me out, and I was like, "You yeah, are I correct, sir." I, I, you know what? And you know what's funny? I, to this day, I will go and just grind on someone else's ek. I, I still won't grind at home now because of that. <laughs> I just don't grind at home anymore. I don't even. I didn't even get a commandante or anything. I was like, you know what? I still. I'm just gonna pre-grind my bag for whatever I want to make it for, and that's how we do coffee now because I like <laughs> the eks. I like the way they do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not buy a three thousand dollar grinder for my home either. If I had the money, I 100% would buy I an EK43. If I had the money is the big caveat there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the it, amount of okay. money that I have to have is far beyond the cost of an EK. Oh, to yeah. To actually yeah, yeah. be able to justify buying an We're EK. We're talking about having disposable income yeah, yeah. like got, three grand yeah. on a grind. I got 100K going, yeah, if I got 100K in the bank, oh, I'll, buy it. I'll buy an EK for my house. Okay, there you go. So start buying more coffee, folks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or ref you could refab an EK at some point. I can see you doing that. Refabbing a grinder for your house. I tried to re refab this grinder for our event today, and I duct taped it together. I glued it together, and guess what? It didn't work today. So no. I don't know if I don't know if well, I can duct tape and glue didn't work. A, I don't know what to tell you. Man. I don't know That's, if I can rehab an EK for my house. All right, you got any other questions? What, what else you got? That's it for That's my list. That's it. All right, ladies, do you have any questions for Ron? Ron, do you have any questions for the ladies? Don't worry, we get to edit the podcast. Yeah, this isn't this isn't live live. There's no such thing as dead space right now. We get to I can cut this before I send it to Matt even. I do have a question. Yeah. This is actually really interesting. Yeah. Coming from the chefing side of things, as okay. I work with my employees, there are some things I'll allow them to do and some things that I won't or that's a bad way to put it <laughs> you've <laughs> told on yourself <laughs> no, 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 sometimes i'll let them have the russian tip sometimes <laughs> they won't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no because it's like there there are things that are teachable and then there are things mm -hmm. that it takes time to learn you cannot teach this you're going to yeah. have to work with this again and again and again and again until yep. it becomes natural mm -hmm. um otherwise the product that comes out is not good or, or it's too scary. It's too scary for me to allow a, a new employee to do some things. Hmm. But what I found with Stax is that the coffee is consistently good, even while baristas are transitioning in and out. Mm -hmm. How are you able to do that? Ron? Ron, why, why are you so good, Ron? Um... <laughs> Because it's true. Even some chains have the old adage joke yeah. where you go to the same one every time and it's a different cup of coffee, even though the order yeah. was the same. Yeah. Yeah. I won't name which chain that was, but I think you can guess. <sighs> yep. I feel put on the spot here to get because to give you the honest answer is to like really blow myself up, which is like 
it's not as consistent as you think. Um, it's consistent enough. Um, also, consistency in coffee is kind of a myth. Mm, a- every roast is going to come out a little bit different. Um, it, beans change on a day-to-day basis, even after they've been roasted, depending on how old they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I roast the same batch of beans this week as I did last week, the green coffee, even if the roast comes out perfect both times, the green coffee is a week older, which is not a big difference. But um, and then if I use that coffee three days off brew or three days off roast, it's tra- it's going to taste not drastically to most people, not normal people. It's going to taste drastically different to me if I mm-hmm. taste it three days off roast versus 11 days off roast. Um, so first off, consistency is a little bit of a myth. Second of all, it's probably not as consistent as you think. Um, if you were to like really consciously and intentionally and presently taste it every day in like a quiet room day after day. Um, not just drink it while you're doing something else, but like really focus on it. Um, and you know, the longer you did that, the more you would probably notice that there are some changes. Um, Mm -hmm. but also most of the training I feel like right now that is happening is not really my doing. Uh, we have two really great lead baristas who I will give most of the credit for, you know, taking people on right now and, and, you know, uh, getting them set up to do a good job, but they are the ones often that, you know, even during those transition times are the ones that are dialing coffees in dialing single Mm -hmm. origin coffees in the blends in the espresso blend in stuff like that. And letting me know if it's, it is tasting off and then I can usually diagnose why that is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I will have a latte here and then I will have it at, at two other places. And, and it's, it's true that consistently here it tastes like stacks latte. And, and I'm it tastes like you're remembering it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's and it's delicious. You're getting and what so you were I'll expecting. Want that at some other place and I'll I'll buy it. And then, and you then don't take like two it. sips and throw it away. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's interesting to me. I find the same thing with food. Like if you want a chocolate croissant, you go to three different places that serve chocolate croissants, you'll have it three different ways. But yeah. I'm just surprised to find that it's true in coffee as well. Yeah. Well, it is true. Um, I've actually, but to add on to what Ron was saying, I've actually I've been part of dialogue between two different locations that were under the same name, where they were dialing in their machines to try. Like one had figured out how to brew the coffee from the other better, you know, and so then the place Very that difficult. was like the flagship ended up having to change and alter it based on their satellite location. You know, they're like, oh, there's sure. there's accented the fruit more. How do we do this here now? Which was, that was an interesting conversation to be a part of because I, I ended up learning a lot about, uh, you know, dialing in specific roasts for um, chains, really. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many variables that it can get, you know, just stuff like that can yeah. get really difficult. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and the longer you're in coffee, I think the more you learn to celebrate the variables and unpredictability rather than lament them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, and like, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> we went from our previous roaster who was using, um, you know, we, when we were a multi-roaster, we were bringing guest roasters for single origin coffees, but mm-hmm. we had 
uh, a house roaster sort of that we were working with and he yep. was roasting our espresso blend and our house blend and I hated that house blend. Um, it was like pretty dark roast to me. Um, mm. And so when we started roasting and we revamped our house blend, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like we're sourcing really great, like this great washed Colombian and this great washed Ethiopian and like, you know, 86, 87 point coffees that should be single origins, but we're blending them because we want to blend these really great coffees and we're roasting them to like a nice medium where you can get these chocolate notes and these orange and it's going to be so much better than like this dark roast crap that I feel like we have on right now. Not a single person blinked their eyes for three months. I, there is a woman that comes into Lark Street and gets a 16-ounce black coffee every single day. She drinks the same black coffee, 16 ounces of it, every single day for five years. Oh and it God. changed so dramatically. Like, I I, it is hard to oversell how big of a change it was, at least to me. Yeah. And like, she just kept not saying anything. And one day <laughs> I was like, how do you like the new coffee? You know? And like, she just kind of looked at me and she took a little sip and she was like, oh, it is new, huh? And then just turned around and walked away. And that's the day that I realized that like most people don't give a shit. Uh, Ron's like screaming on the inside. Oh, I was so (laughs) upset. I was screaming on the outside also. Um, They don't know know better. Well, no. Yeah, it's not that they don't give a shit. They don't like as long as it's above a certain quality level then they don't give a shit (laughs) which is like everything in the world when you get to a certain level you can you know the return on investment gets so what's that called diminishing returns right it it gets so small the difference between a barazza forte that costs nine hundred dollars and an ek-43 that costs twenty seven hundred dollars is minimal the difference between an ek-43 that costs twenty seven hundred dollars and a lynn weber eg1 which is nine thousand dollars is even smaller yeah but you're paying you're looking at longevity and investment times the cost as you are from barazza forte 90% of people in the world, in the world, 99.6% of people would never notice a difference. Even in the specialty coffee world, 99% of people wouldn't be able to tell a difference. So you get these diminishing returns and the same thing happens with customers where as long as it's good to a certain point, they're not going to be able to tell the difference or they just don't care to. And I can't expect everyone to drink coffee with that same level of presence and searching for like whatever shit I hope to find in a cup of coffee. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people, it's a caffeine delivery system. And as long as the person that serves it to them is friendly and the coffee is relatively tasty and comforting, that's good enough. Which blows my mind and drives (laughs) me insane, but it is a fact of life at this point. To bridge the conversation, there must be similarities in cider. Like, you know, there there has to be a time where you're like, well, we got to use 50% more of this apple, but... And then you give it to people and you're like, we hope they don't notice and they don't notice, you know, or something. And then I know that like... Or you uh, in the culinary well world, like, this yeah. is sick. <laughs> I know in the culinary world, like sometimes an ingredient changes and you're like, I hope nobody notices and nobody notices it. Got to yeah. get through this spinach. Put it on special. That hit home. Right? Like you have, a, you have <laughs> I mean, you have coffee. Like if Do you, you, if you, Do you think that share all of these coffee companies are doing seasonal blends because those are like the freshest coffees that taste the best <laughs> in the winter. It is a lie. I'm telling you right now. Woo. 
specials are alive. Some yeah. companies the might be doing specials. that. Specials. But there are plenty yeah. of companies that are like, yo, we bought a ton of this single origin and we got to get not rid selling of it. Well, throw it in the Christmas blend. Seasonal and like, blend. You know, and like, yeah. And they call it their holiday blend or whatever. Yep. And like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because the customer probably likes it better because it's called the holiday blend, <laughs> but wouldn't buy it when it was like <laughs> no, Guatemala no. and Brazil. But was, now that it's a holiday blend, they're stoked and they love it. And that's just is what it is. Like, if we, for themselves are buying five pounds for all the gifts yep. also true but like but also if we're pretending marketing doesn't have a real effect on how we actually perceive flavor then we yeah. are all lying to ourselves yep. because there are definitely coffees where i've had that are labeled one thing or roasted by another company or whatever mm -hmm. and i thought better or worse of them based on how i perceive that company rather than how they actually taste it wow that's that's good self-awareness thank you you're welcome you had a story about spinach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are stories that, that I, I hesitate to share, but I think okay. none of them are from stacks. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 When I first opened sweet Sue's, I remember I was going after this one critic, Daniel Berman. I wanted him to be my friend. I wanted him to love me. You were oh, you were courting. You no, said I mean, going I after. I thought you were like going to attack him. No, no, no. Right. I wanted him to come she into my shop Daniel. and talk about me. <laughs> okay. And talk about how yeah. awesome we okay. were. And I, I was, I was trying to do everything just right, like yeah. everything. To I, put to put this in perspective, yeah. Daniel had a blog called Fussy Little Blog. Fussy Little Blog because he oh, was I've very fussy that. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. everything. Very fussy. And he is... There's a particular customer. Yeah. <laughs> to go back. Well, <laughs> that's... I, it is. Is and yeah. isn't. Is and okay, isn't. Okay, okay. Daniel knows his shit. Yeah. And he has a... He's, he really knows what he's talking about. He's also extremely particular in a way that when he would walk into your establishment, pretty much no matter who you are, I don't care if you pretend you are an aloof chef that doesn't give a shit. I... Anyone I know would be like, oh, hi, Daniel. Welcome. Like, it's it's scary, Welcome to man. my it's shop. Scary. Everyone wants to impress you, be, impress him because he will not hesitate to also be like, yeah, this was decent, but this thing sucked. And and tell wow. him, you know, very, I'm, very whatever. Honest. He's a food blogger. That's that's right. his right. So you were trying to get him in your shop. Right. So finally, he he came in. And we started becoming friends. He would come in once a week or so. And, okay. And I would be prepared for him to come in and I'd be sourcing these ingredients that were sustainable, expensive. Was that stressful for you? It was. I'm going to tell you what it did to my business. It nearly killed my business. <gasps> because the amount of money that I was spending, I wasn't paying attention to what my average customer needed. Whoa. And I was becoming so pretentious with my food mm -hmm. that it was almost inaccessible oh, no. to some people. And and I it was a great learning experience for me because of one day. He showed up when I didn't expect him to, and I had um, Adirondack ice cream on. That was the ice cream I decided to use. It's excellent ice cream. Yeah. But I had bought I had bought a fudge sauce for it that I didn't make myself. It was it was a canned fudge sauce, whatever, for the kids. Yeah. He came in with his son. He bought one, ate it, and said that was the best fudge sundae I've ever had. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he no, no, no. can't tell. No, no he <laughs> couldn't tell oh, that no. one time. But I, but I needed to be honest with him. So the next time he came in, I said, I need to be honest with you. That wasn't my fudge sauce. And he's like, he's like, Look, you have to be accessible too. 
if you're going to make a bologna sandwich, it's fine. I like bologna sandwiches. Just make the best bologna sandwich that you can make. Yeah. If you want to make um, bread, you know, yeah. just make the best bread you can make. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great lesson to me because then I began to let parts of this go that didn't suit me anymore. Yeah. And, and I began to source those things like sourcing coffee beans. It's okay to source things, ingredients that mm-hmm. you can use and just make sure that you're making yourself accessible to people. Yeah. You know, but do yeah. it the best that you can. Daniel Berman That's is a good. the 1%. Yeah. Like, like yes. a, a business in the capital district, I, maybe there's certain businesses that can, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to count anyone's money, but like, I would say that most businesses cannot cater to the Daniel Berman no. customer because like, it turns into a fussy in little a profit loss. No, yeah. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> listen, there's plenty of places where you can do that, where you only, yeah. you know, like n- you go to Noma in Copenhagen and every goddamn thing yes. on the menu is foraged by, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Renee Renzeppi or whatever his yeah. name is. And like, that's fine because it it's been voted the best restaurant in the world for mm. the past eight <laughs> years. So like they open their calendar from like January 1st to January 8th and they have every reservation for the year booked. That part is not true, but like yeah. it's really hard to get a table there, whatever. Like there's places that can do that, but yeah. I would say the average business can't rely on enough volume from that level of clientele unless you're in a major city and you have really built up to that thing. Yeah. And then and then you're still pricing out the majority of the population. Mm, like even right. if you can make it a successful business venture, then it becomes like a, a, a choosing of values. And mm, I'm not trying to like, yeah. you know, shame anyone for like only doing the best food, whatever, but like, no. but you are most definitely pricing people out and making your food inaccessible. Mm. Yeah. And you know, so uh, like, there's a re- there's Michel- there's street food vendors that have Michelin stars. You yes. know, there like it it is not it does not only come down to using the most expensive chocolate in your pastry and in the same way that I couldn't serve geishas all day every day because yeah. most people don't care. Like not, Oh not yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you why know? I love Bourdain. Yeah. Bourdain was great because yeah. he would go visit the top restaurant in the city and then go to the street, the street vendor. vendor yeah and give them equal love like mm-hmm. they were do they were at the top of their craft in the area that they were in mm. that's important yeah one of the one of the things i was talking about earlier while we were doing pour overs was you know a, a lot of times in restaurants uh you have these sommeliers who will walk up to the table and they'll talk about the wine and it's and some there's a there's a whole conversation to be had about that but in the coffee world we don't have that a lot so it was really nice to be able to explain the coffees to people and tell them what to look for, much the way that flavor notes prompt you on a can for cider or, you know, the name of a cider or like the the bag of coffee, like there's flavors written on it. And it, it's because we don't have sommeliers on staff that can just walk up to you and explain the coffee in heavy detail and everything. Um, and we kind of need that because a lot of people when they go to drink coffee it doesn't matter if they drank it for five years and it just changed one day right. they, they're they gonna go oh it's good and then they're gonna move on because it was good and that's yeah. all they needed you know that's the thing about fussy little blog i want to give him props because yeah. the education of the public to ask questions about what they're eating and to try to taste those things is yeah. so important like agreed money 
cheese is one area and chocolate is another area that I'm, I pretty much believe that the more expensive the cheese and oftentimes does mean that it's better. It, it mm. translates there for me. It translates with chocolate too. Not yeah. always. Oh, I believe it translates yeah. with coffee too. too. I mean, I would yeah. love to just serve geishas all day, but right, like, but I, <laughs> like I can't ask people to pay $36 for no. the bagel sandwich in the morning, but I'm going to yeah. make you the best smoked salmon bagel sandwich at the price point that you're going to pay that you're ever going to have. Yeah. Like that's my, that's my, and I think there there comes a curiosity about the experience too. Yeah. And that to me is the difference with someone that comes in and gets a large coffee every day mm-hmm. versus someone that they get a large coffee every day, but then they start seeing that we offer pour overs and that mm-hmm. is our time to be the sommelier on staff. Yeah. Yeah. When you're making a yeah. pour over, you have three and a half minutes to explain what a coffee is going to taste like, why you're using a scale to brew it, why you're using a certain temperature, what the golden ratio of coffee to water is, Mm-hmm. Um, why the coffee tastes the way it does, what natural processing is, what wash processing is, you know, why you're brewing it this way, why you should let it cool, and why you should maybe consider letting it cool and tasting it black before you add cream to it. Yeah. And when, in my experience, when we opened Stacks and I got to talk really nerdy to people for like mm-hmm. four minutes while I was making their pour over, a lot of people had never had a pour over and kind of went away with at least the idea that, damn, I didn't know coffee was this deep. Yeah. And like we had a few people, however, today. yeah, for sure. Yep. And however they felt about the coffee, I mean, a lot of people liked it, but however they felt about the coffee, they at least mm-hmm. realized that there was a lot more to it than they knew. Yeah. And I think that opens up people to a spirit of curiosity, which, you know, I should think I recognize the coffees from different places taste differently took me years and someone blatantly pointing it out to realize that chocolate from different countries would taste different. Well, and, and you were blew my goddamn mind. Like Kara was explaining that people come in saying they don't like cider. Yeah, for sure. So many different. Yeah. Kinds. And then so many different guys, 150 varieties of apple in apples your average from one cider orchard are going to taste different than apples from another orchard. Totally. It could be the same variety. Mm-hmm. And I, really, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit sure. now um, to put, to put everything that's going on here and put a in, on in, in yeah, I, I'm going to a little <laughs> nice, bow. Uh, it, it, yeah. Using, using the morals, the education and uh, getting people to ask questions. There's no better place to ask questions than of the vendors when they're at a seasonal market like this, you people know, are so Absolutely. excited yep. to talk about yep. their stuff. Yeah. I'm a little sad when they just sample and then walk away. I'm like, I wanted to, I wanted to, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, so a big thank you to uh, Sue and Aaron and yes, every and and to, to nine pin and to all of our vendors and to stacks for helping host and organize the event. Uh, yeah. 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 A little applause Make for everybody. And thank you guys for coming on the upstate coffee yeah, collective podcast. I've, I've been watching the other vendors that are packing up their cars and I'm realizing that I'm going to have to take names down before I leave so I can like hit them up and be like, Hey, you can come on too. We'll talk to you on the <laughs> podcast some other time soon. I only had three mics and four people already. <laughs> um, guys, one last little bit. Uh, where can people find you? And that's, you don't have to give them your physical address. Just digitally will be fine. <laughs> Stacks Espresso. Yeah. You can go Stacks to Facebook, Espresso. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? It? You can come in. Come into the shop at yeah. 488 Broadway and on Lark Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where we are. This is our home now. Great. Yeah, and we're a nine pin cider. It's ninepincider.com, nine two nine Broadway. That's right. 
Yeah, just on the road from and nine. Pa- you guys have a good Instagram, right? Yeah, you have a nice. Okay. You got a nice. Yeah, you have a good Instagram. You, right? We got a good Instagram. <laughs> you right? Are right? Yeah, with a bright green building, you can't miss us. Yeah, yo, Josh and Sue have a flame war going on on True. Instagram right now. They have a she's what? Like, it's spicy. Dude, she's like throwing shade about how young Josh looks. And like, she was like, "Oh, your mom let you out of out of bed wow. to make this video." <laughs> it's so funny. It's great. He's nice. Sweet. He's we love sweet. it too. Oh, I love that. It's really funny. Um, Where can people find you, Ron? I mean, at Stacks Espresso most days, but also I'm Ron Does Coffee on Instagram. And yeah. If you, if you want to argue my opinions with me, and if you're listening, you already found me. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you. You right. too. Bye.